1: Welcome, folks, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host Julian Klamatchko. I'm joined by my co-host Mike Kesslering, and on today's show, we welcome special guests of Victoria Grace, founder and CEO of Queens Gambit, and Yusuf Salem, CFO of Swivel. Queens Gambit is a sustainability-focused SPAC that announced a 1.13 billion-dollar merger with Swivel, a Dubai-based provider of transformative mass transit and shared mobility solutions. On the podcast, Victoria and Yusuf discuss the founding of Queen's Gambit and whether Victoria is a fan of the Netflix series or Chess, how Swivel differentiates itself from Uber or Kareem or other competitors in the marketplace, some of the key drivers that investors should be aware of for Swivel, and more. So with no further ado, Here's our show with Victoria Grace of Queen's Gambit and Yusuf Salem of Swivel. So we have Yusuf, CFO of Swivel, along with Victoria from Queen's Gambit. Talking about uh, a merger today, I wanted to get into both of your backgrounds prior to talking about the specifics on Swivel and the going public transaction that you recently announced. Yusuf, I understand you have a background in investment banking, worked at MOLIS. Can you talk about your career trajectory and ultimately what opportunity you saw with Swivel?
2: Absolutely, Julian. Thanks for having us. Uh, So I've been with investment banking for the last nine years, uh, including the last five with MOLIS and company as an executive director in the Dubai Uh, offers covering our Middle East and North Africa uh, kind of clients. Uh, I've already been working with Mustafa and the team for a couple of years, fundraising on the private side. Uh, Clearly saw a huge opportunity in the business being through them, through the kind of the private private funding uh, in terms of kind of various aspects, right? Whether it's the growth, the kind of overall problem, the business solving, the ESG uh, emphasis, the very strong unit economics, uh, which meant that kind of when this opportunity came up with the business going public, uh, I formally joined the team as a CFO.
1: Okay. And Victoria, I did want to get an introduction from yourself. I noticed you have a long career in tech investing. Can you tell us about your background and the thesis behind the launch of Queen's Gambit Growth Capital?
3: Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, great to be here. So I've been investing for over a decade now. Um Kind of across capital structures. I started my career at Salmon Brothers, actually uh, doing investment banking, um, and um, and then start uh, made a shift towards buy side. Um, Was at Dresner for quite a bit of time, and then launched my own fund uh, five years ago, or so uh, called Colleen Capital, where we focus on early stage uh, technology uh, investing. We had uh, an interesting, um, you know, almost. Uh, it was the opposite um, uh, of uh, of um, health uh, consequences on pandemic and our fund, where we had all our companies, um, for the most part, I would I shouldn't say all, but most companies doing quite well in pandemic, uh, and we had a number of exits uh, last year. One of them was a company that was taken out by a SPAC, um, and so um, it was uh, an interesting experience for me. I was on the board of a company, was intimately involved in the entire process, and. Saw firsthand uh, benefits of this transaction, both for the company, for uh, um, investors, for SPAC uh, shareholders, uh, and sponsors. And so, for me, it was um, uh, it was definitely an eye opening um, experience that I wanted to uh, take learnings from. Uh, I also realized that there'll be quite a few SPACs coming down uh, that path, and 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 utilizing this this type of uh, uh, vehicle to take company public. Um, So I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it, but then ultimately decided that uh, I probably could do a differentiated product. And uh, my focus was very much around growth story and a super high quality company to partner with. Um, So so that was like the first um, element that I wanted to, uh, to focus on. The second element was all around the type of team I wanted to assemble around myself. Um, I, um, having gone on the target side uh, through this transaction, I knew that the number of skill set you need to have around the table to have a successful process, you know, raising a spec is actually the least uh, important uh, piece. It's really finding the target. It's negotiating the structure. It's this SPAC process and what happens post-close of transaction that's super important. So that was um, in the back of my mind. I want to make sure I had a very, very qualified team around myself. Um, and then, uh, you know, the last element was, okay, well, I don't see any women involved in SPACs, really. I mean, I've spoken to uh, 20, 30 SPACs, and uh, they were all run by men, and um, uh, maybe they'll have one woman uh, on, the, on their team at the board level or advisory. So I decided to do something radical uh, and have the entire team, the board, advisory, all female executives. Uh, so there's 12 of us in total, and we, uh, you know, we essentially um, have experience taking companies public, have experience running companies, high growth stories, uh, um, public board, co- corporate governance, all of this stuff that's actually super important to be a public company. So that um, process um, started in December last year. We launched in January um, and had very, very successful reception in the marketplace for this product. And, um, uh, and that was sort of you know, the premise for starting this type of, um, this type of vehicle.
1: Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many executives we have had on the podcast who also started their careers in investment banking, as both of you did, and uh, both in, uh, Mike and myself did as well. So that is a common thread in all of us, I bet, have solid Excel skills and good uh, PowerPoint editing skills. But I digress. Uh, Victoria. So you started the first all-female SPAC, and we have seen that model replicated a little bit in the market. So currently, that seems to be working. Also, a super unique name, Queen's Gambit. So I was curious, do you have a penchant for chess or Netflix? Everyone's, uh, I'm sure, aware of the super popular Netflix series that recently came out.
3: Yeah, uh, I guess that's a good question. So I'm a chess player. Uh, Coli Capital, the name of my uh, venture fund, is also named after chess uh, move. Uh, So chess is sort of, you know, I look at chess as a very strategic game, a game that you have to anticipate future moves. You have to be prepared. And investing, I envision in a very similar vein. You have to really understand what it is that you're doing, uh, what are the next steps to have a successful investment, how can you be helpful? How can you anticipate things? So with that in mind, I uh, wanted to continue naming my vehicles after chess uh, moves. And uh, with this particular move, it was, uh, it was a little bit of, um, you know, I had to think through, do I want to name this after a Netflix show? Because <laughs> if that's what people would, would say, look, it's a, it's a Netflix show. But there were so many things that res- you know, resonated with me, with the name. We're all women, and Quinn is obviously a, a big piece in the name. Um, it's also uh, Quinn's given. I don't know if we chess play or not, but typically it's the oldest move, typically being utilized by ex- you know expert players. And uh, the quality of my uh, team, we all experts in our respective fields. So that also played in. Um and then ultimately I decided that I want to have that um, you know, that name because it just the move made total sense to me. Um and it's also, you know, taking early sacrifice for better uh, for benefit later on, which is again you partner with a SPAC, and maybe it's a challenging process initially, but you're gonna benefit in the back end. So all of these elements fit so well. Um, at the other data being a really good marketing move because what happened was um you know, we went out when at the days when there were 30 spacks a day price, yeah. uh, which was insanity. Um, <laughs> and that's what that was really worry, worrying to me. I mean, like, what, what, why, you know, why I wanted to have a very different product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, so the name actually really helped me because people were looking at Quinn's Gambit. I and mean, obviously, a lot of people see uh, the show and uh, that piqued their interest. The only way for me to shine is for people to read my S1. And right. so people were like, well, what is this? Like, And they open up and they think, uh, you know, is this just a Netflix show or whatever? <laughs> and then they realize, oh, it's a serious uh, group of women and it's really interesting. And um, as a result, you know, it was, it, it paid off, benef- you know, it paid off handsomely because the investment interest was tremendous.
1: In any event, the show was uh, very well received, reviewed. I enjoyed it as well. So let's get into the business model of Swivel. So Youssef, or Victoria, can you guys talk to us about, number one, how Swivel differentiates itself from competitors such as Uber slash Kareem. I understand your CEO came from a background at Kareem. How do you differentiate yourself from competitors in the marketplace?
2: Absolutely. So I think the key differentiation is technology, right? the the kind of ride hailing companies are focused on a very different technology which is focused around the dispatching of the vehicles and around one to one transportation right we come in with a completely different proposition we don't say how do we connect one rider with one driver we say how do we create a technology that allows us to pool 15 different people on a minivan minibus and by doing that allowing these people to pay 80% cheaper than they would pay to a ride hailing company or owning their own car and allowing drivers to make one and a half to twice the kind of the earnings they were making pre-swiven by the power of this pool. But in order to make this pooling work and in order to get all of these people on the same minivan, while making sure that each one of them reaches their destination in no more than 20% of the time they would have taken had they gone directly point to point, that is the power of the proprietary technology we've built. And that technology is completely differentiated and built in-house. We have kind of 150 engineers working kind of day and night on basically continuing to advance this technology to solve this very complex problem. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and
1: fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies, and one easy-to-use, one-choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1CONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find
4: out more at accelerateshares.com. So can you talk a little bit about the underlying unit economics that you have and as well kind of touch on the unit economics, because it is a platform, the unit economics of the drivers as well?
2: Uh, absolutely. And and that's exactly the power of swivel, right? And if we start on the driver's side, the, the fundamental problem you have today is that supply of private minibus and minivans does exist and does exist in large numbers in, in these kind of emerging and even developed markets. Cairo alone, for example, has 155,000 privately owned minivans and minibuses. The problem is not the presence of that supply. The problem is the inefficiency and the underutilization of that supply. Most of that supply is working today for a single school, a single corporate, a single university, where they're doing... Predominantly two trips a day and only during the up season of the school, so not in the summer or the up season of the tour agency, so not in the non touristic uh, seasons. We take these vehicles and we make sure that they're utilized four to six times a day instead of two times a day and every single day, including the weekend, including the, the breaks. And we do this by cross utilizing the same vehicle across so many different sectors. It is the same vehicle that now works for a school, a corporate, a university, a call center, a factory, a travel agency. Each one of them having very different timings and, and shifts during the day, during the week, and during the summer. And hence, even though the, the, the cost per trip is now significantly less to swivel, the total earnings of the driver are now significantly higher than what they were before. And that's why the driver makes significantly more money. But because we do so many trips that even though the aggregate earnings of the driver goes up, the earnings per trip go down, which means that we're reducing the cost of the trip so much, which means that we're able to both make a profit and offer it to the customers at a very low and affordable uh, cost that allows us to access all income levels, not only the people who can afford private ride gain. And I'm sure you guys have been
1: super, super busy. Recently announced the merger between Queen's Gambit And Swivel, $1.5 billion equity valuation. So congrats on that. But as we all know, a lot of the work's just getting started here. This is a unique transaction because you'll be the first $1 billion plus unicorn from the Middle East and unicorn being a billion dollar over a billion dollar valuation. How does it feel to have that first to list on the NASDAQ?
2: We're very proud, right? We're very proud because obviously we're we're able to access one, the deepest kind of capital market in the globe, which opens all sorts of opportunities for us. Second, we're able to do it via the SPAC route, which allows it to to do it very, very quickly and speed is critical to everything we do. And most importantly, because we're able to do it with Queen's Gambit, which is, as Victoria mentioned, a sustainability-focused SPAC, which is perfectly aligned with our ESG mission. Our mission on the environmental side is replacing every 15 cars by a bus soon an electric bus. On the social side, effectively making sure that reliable, safe transportation is now affordable for the entire globe, regardless of income levels, and that social inclusion is critical. And finally, on the governance side, allowing governments to refocus their budget spend that they were otherwise losing on public transportation and spending that on education, healthcare, and R&D. So from that perspective, aligning with a with SPAC like Queen's Gambit with that sustainability mission is quite critical from our perspective.
1: And I was wondering, what has been the feedback thus far from investors? I wouldn't mind getting both of your perspectives. So, Victoria, do you want to start? You know, what are you hearing from investors with respect to the Swivel deal that you announced?
3: Sure. Um, First, I want to comment a little bit on, uh, you know, first uh, unicorn out of Dubai or out of of Middle East. Um, For us, uh, we actually wanted to, we looked at dozens and dozens of opportunities when we were. On looking for our partner. And um, we were really um, convicted that we wanted to be uh, partnering with a global player and we wanted to focus uh, on the growth trajectory and uh, wanted the asset light kind of uh, a business model. And um, the company, while it's based in the Middle East, it's a global story. Um, And uh, we just announced actually yesterday. Uh, an acquisition of a European player, and we're going to be entering 10 10 countries in Europe. This is very much um, just the beginning for the company as far as their uh, application and utilization of their technology. And so um, uh, Europe, Latin America, and ultimately the U.S., are all markets that we're going to be going after. So for us, I view that for the next couple of years, a lot of growth is going to be happening actually outside of U.S., so that's what was really attractive to us. And so when we talked to pipe investors around this opportunity, we really presented a global story here, presented the uniqueness of unit economics. This is a company that has a very clear path to being profitable. Uh, the company is growing uh, in a very, very um, attractive way, uh, both within existing geographies, but also outside of these geographies. And we had a plan with expansion. Um, So investors really understood uh, the value proposition and the attractiveness of partnering with a company outside of the U.S., particularly in this sector uh, with the unit economics and KPIs that uh, we've demonstrated. So I would say a reaction has been to the transaction, definitely positive. Uh, Very commonly, I heard that this is quite interesting, probably one of the most interesting deals I've seen um, in the last 12 months or so, so that was very interesting to hear. Um, it's uh, it's differentiated. It's um, uh, and it's it's not another you know, be it uh, EV charging or whatever whatever sort of you know flavor of the month that you've seen a lot of um, companies coming out with uh, with SPAC transactions. We really wanted to focus on a story that would resonate with investors, resonate with our. Uh, mission uh, around ESG and um, and has uh, economic attractiveness for for investors. So uh, so I'd say all in all, it was very positive.
1: And Yusuf, what are your thoughts? What are you hearing from investors? I'm sure your phone is ringing off the hook.
2: Uh, Absolutely. I think we've we've been very fortunate and very privileged. We reached out to to, to raise a a pipe of $75 million in what we were told a very challenging market. We were able to upsize to $100 million because of the significant oversubscription we've received. And not just with the quantum, the quality of the capital as well. If you look at the pipe investors, some of them, we have Agility, one of the biggest logistics company globally generating more than $5 billion of revenue from moving goods in more than 100 countries, allows a significant opportunity to expand into the logistics space. We've got Zane, one of the largest telecoms in the Middle East and Africa with more than 50 million subscribers and opportunity to offer swivel to these 50 million subscribers. We've got Luxor uh, Capital, who you know is kind of an expert on, on kind of on marketplaces, giving us a lot of credibility. So both the quantum and the quality of the investor reception has been quite phenomenal.
1: And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, O-N-E-C on the TSX, is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies in one easy-to-use, one-choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1-C-O-N-E-C on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com.
4: Yeah, that's something I really com- commend you on is the, the ability to raise uh, a pipe financing at such a scale and have it oversubscribed in this market is, is quite impressive. If that was the case you know, earlier in the year, um, pipe financings, they were a lot easier to fundraise for. Um, so that that is quite impressive. And And speaking to that large capital raise, Can you talk a little bit about your long-term growth strategy in terms of different markets that you're moving into and, and how you're going to put that capital to work and get yourselves to a $1 billion run rate revenue figure over the next number of years?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So basically, we've got kind of, as you mentioned, that that capital and even kind of less than that capital, So that capital already gives us an upside because even with less than that capital, we're able to basically hit, as you mentioned, $1 billion of revenue in 2025 on a fully cash profitable basis, right? And that number is only from mass transit. So that does not reflect upsides like logistics, financial services, et cetera, which are on top of this number. And this is going to happen by way of geographic expansion, right? So we're targeting to be able to reach 2 million kind of daily trips and 50,000 vehicles on the platform globally uh, by by that year, by 2025. And we'll do this via geographic expansion. So today we're already in the Middle East and Africa and South Asia. We've already added Europe via the acquisition of shuttle. We're gonna be expanding our European footprint significantly off the back of that. Plus we're gonna have very substantial expansion in Latin America and Southeast Asia. All of them are geographies which face the same problems that we've solved in Africa, Middle East, and South Asia in the, in the, in the context of a very unreliable, if not non-existent public transportation on one hand, and the very expensive, non-affordable private transportation mode on the other hand. So being able to solve this problem globally, uh, is is going to be the key to that. And that all these numbers are just the organic growth, like our track record. And then we have substantive number of inorganic opportunities. Because we're the first player in this in in this in this space completely, the technology enabled mass transit to be listed, we're able to basically allow us to kind of move to consolidate and to basically kind of create an ecosystem that supports all of the various national region champions around the world and really kind of become the overarching ecosystem for mass transit globally.
1: So you recently announced that shuttle acquisition expanding into Europe. So is Swivel no longer an emerging markets play? Are there developed markets, Europe, and perhaps some other markets? I'm not sure if North America is on the map in terms of expansion, but is that sort of what you're looking to accomplish or are
2: you continue to be emerging markets focused? So yeah, absolutely. So we, we, it's, a, it's a global play. The majority of our revenues will continue to come from emerging markets because this is the problem. This is these are the geographies where the problem is most amplified and where the need for a complete parallel uh, uh, mass transit network across all segments is really required. However, there is also a very strong opportunity in developed markets in having a more tailored approach, whether via offering software as a service, whether via offering our travel platform, which allows kind of cities where maybe inside the city, there is a very strong coverage, but less so between the cities. And hence it is really a global play that makes sure that where there is no mass transit system, we offer one end to end. And then where there is a mass transit system, but is lacking in certain areas, we're able to come in, in a very customized way and plug any gaps.
1: And so this deal was just announced a, a few weeks ago. I was wondering, Yusuf, from your
2: perspective,
1: Realizing that this is a relatively crowded SPAC market, what really set Queen's Gambit apart from other potential SPACs or going public via IPO, direct listing, or even staying private? What was the game plan and why did you choose uh, Victoria?
2: I would say it's four things. One, it's the quality of the team. Victoria talked about kind of herself and her team, the level of connectivity, experience, track record, credibility they have in the market is unparalleled, which means the investor reception was extremely strong and the doors they're op- able to open to us with strategic players, not just with investors, were really uh, quite unique. Uh, second, it's the caliber of the investors they bring with them, whether in the SPAC itself or they were also able to bring into the pipe. And we talked about some of them like Agility and Zane and, and Luxo. Uh, third, it is the speed they're able to kind of move with and the execution certainty they're able to offer because of their experience in the space, because of their track record. They know exactly how to do this and they're able to get us to to the finish line in a a very certain and speedy way. And fourth is the mission we talked about. We see complete eye to eyes on mission, on vision, on ESG, on sustainability. We're exactly going to kind of after the exact same goals.
1: And what's nice about having both of you guys on the podcast is that I can ask this question of Victoria as well. With your mandate being sustainability, and you did mention you looked at dozens and dozens of potential merger partners. What stood out to you on Swivel, why are they the right merger partner?
3: Sure, Um, it's a great question because it covers uh, a few things that we wanna do differently with our SPAC. We promised the market that we're not gonna be participating in any SPAC offs, bake offs or auctions because we are a fundamental investor and uh, we believe that arriving to a correct valuation for, um, for the transaction is critical. And the SPAC offs and auctions really derail your discipline. And you end up uh, paying more than you should, perhaps, for the wrong reasons. So so that's the first thing that was very important to us. So we also said we're going to be utilizing our network, which we've got, like I said, a dozen of us around the table, super connected, uh, lots of um, technology company relationships. And uh, we utilize our network to find these targets. So when I said we spoke to dozens and dozens of companies, uh, these are proprietary ideas and deals. We were first ones in front of the management team or the board uh, to discuss potential partnership and uh, uh, an alignment of thinking. And so um, uh, that's how we got in front of uh, Swivel as well. And we were able to present very quickly um, the value proposition that we would um, be looking for as far as the valuation approach, the um, the kind of this aligned. Thinking of ESG elements, and I'll talk specifically what's so attractive about Swivel around that, um, and then having um, having a team that really knows their business and really buttoned up to be able to get to the finish line in a very quick manner. So transaction certainty is very important for, for everybody, right? So uh, so we were able to present this to Mustafa and his team, and Joseph, and um, and we quickly arrived to the valuation that we thought. Um, was fair, it was giving credit to the company for growth and accomplishments they've achieved so far, but also gives a lot of upside from here to investors coming in today uh, with expansion uh, and, uh, and all the synergies so that they will be able to leverage post-transaction. To us, what was really important was the fact that these guys had very similar mindset to us. They were not looking to optimize the price. So they could have run an auction, right? They could have. They had other stacks knocking on their doors, uh, but they really prioritized and valued um, our approach and the value we're going to be bringing on the back end of this transaction above the price optimization. To us, that was very, very important. And as far as ESG uh, element, um, this company addresses from two sides. Social justice is one aspect. So allowing to um, to, to have seventy percent of um, end users of Swirl platform are women. Um, so allowing women to uh, to be able to have access to a safe and reliable transit system to go to an office job, to go to a hospital, to go to get education, to go to the university. All of these things are, are really really powerful, and it unlocks economic. Um, Potential for these individuals, and it's not just women. It's anybody who needs to have an affordable uh, means to to access uh, transportation to, to get to those places. So, the, and the second element is around environment. A uh, mass a uh, mass transit um, is clearly you know it, very congested in uh, in busy cities, and um, anybody who's using solar sort of platform is able to run much more efficiently their operations and therefore reducing congestion in busy cities um, and uh, reducing number of buses that you need to run the same kind of um, operation and ultimately we will be moving towards electrification and uh, using electric, electric uh, fleets so that's an added benefit around ESG so I think all of these elements um, really made it um, very um, appealing and attractive for us to, to partner with Swivel.
1: Prior to wrapping things up Today I wanted to give you the chance to mention any additional factors that investors should be aware of in terms of the investment case for Swivel? Like what are some of the key drivers that investors should be aware of uh, once you know Swivel is up in trading or Queen's Gambit right now? And why do you believe that a tech enabled mass transit solution has a lot of growth potential from an investment perspective?
2: So so maybe we address them in a few things. One is growth. We started in 2017 making $100,000 of revenue. We're ending this year with $79 million of annualized revenue, at least. Uh, That's 800x growth in four years. Today, we're growing at an annualized uh, uh, kind of category of more than 430%. Uh, Second is the, the scale of the problem we're trying to solve. Uh, this is a global problem that we are by far the market leader not just in the region but globally in solving that problem and the first to be listed in that uh, in that space third is unit economics because of the power of creating the proprietary technology that allows us to pool these people together we're able to kind of do that in a very profitable way that does not cap us at the typical commissions that shared economy peers will be taking in terms of 20 percent et etc we're able to kind of very kind of significantly Surpass uh, surpass these uh, these numbers. Fourth is the upside, significant upside to the business plan that we've presented, which, as we discussed, is only based on twenty countries, only based on mass transit. Uh, today, with the announcement of Shuttle, we're already in sixteen countries. Out of the twenty, we're targeting by twenty twenty five with significant opportunities to exceed that as well. All our existing shareholders are kind of fully locked up as part of this transaction, showing the level of conviction in this uh, in this deal and in the opportunity uh, to to come. Uh, we have a very high caliber of new investors kind of joining and opening kind of further uh, opportunities uh, for, uh, for, for the company. Uh, we have the plan that we presented is purely organic. Everything that's inorganic is either completely on top or an accelerator to what we uh, presented to the market. Uh, we have very strong high kind of barriers to entry because of the proprietary technology and because of the significant first mover advantage we have in the in the space, so I think all of these are reasons why we believe this is a very attractive opportunity. And on top of all of that, we're pricing it, as Victoria mentioned, on purpose at a very attractive entry point to make sure we're able to create the right momentum for investors. And that entry point, the current
1: yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Victoria. If you have uh, another point to make, no,
3: just uh, echoing um, everything Joseph said, and and the, I believe you know when we looked at this opportunity, we actually um, analyzed. Just a few markets, not every market where we're going to be entering, but just looking at our current geographies and Latin America, so Brazil and Mexico, this will be, a, you know, five to 10x sort of growth story over the next uh, year or two, where you can really see significant upside from here. So as an investor, when I look at this, to me, it's a really attractive entry point. The company is going to be very focused on execution. There'll be no distraction around fundraising efforts and um and also the currency will become very interesting right so you have a liquid stock you can attract interest really unique opportunities uh for inorganic growth so all of that adds to the value you can see uh for going down this path for a company like swivel versus staying private for example which was one of your earlier questions why spark route and those are the benefits we saw when we took our um portfolio company out via SPAC last year uh, where you really don't have those distractions around fundraising or around, um, you know, if you want to expand your IP portfolio or your reach and you want to acquire uh, other companies, that gives you a great, great currency. So from my perspective, I think this is a very attractive entry point and uh, a significant upside from here, which is important because we're long-term investors. So we're going to be here for years and, uh, and we want to see this company really flourish.
1: The merger and the de-SPAC process expected to close in the fourth quarter right now. Queen's Gamut trading under the symbol G-M-B-T. Once the deal closes, Swivel will be trading under the ticker symbol S-W-B-L. So, Victoria and Yusuf, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today. Provided a ton of details on your background, Swivel, what you're trying to accomplish and your thoughts on the future. So thank you very much. And we wish you the best of success.
2: Thank you so much, Julia and Mikey, for having us. Real pleasure.
3: Thank you so much for having us. It was really insightful.
1: Take care. Bye,
3: everybody.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast, Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.